When a man wakes up and notices something very valuable is missing, he'll do anything to get it back. And then we take a look at a bizarre story of an alien encounter. Now, so many stories involving aliens take place in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night, with someone who may not be the most observant person to begin with. This story takes place at 9.40 in the morning, in a man's bedroom, and the victim is a scientist. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Still getting used to this losing an hour. I don't know if it's... I never really... When I was younger and we leapt forward... Do they do that in every country? I don't think they do. I think some countries, they don't care about it. But you lose an hour of sleep or you gain... Spring forward. That's what I'm looking for. When I was a young man, it didn't really phase me. But for some reason, now that I'm old, I'm like, uh... One hour I lost a day ago. Uh, so lethargic. So yeah, that's that's my boomer rant for this episode. Let's go ahead and get started. Now, actually, before we get started, I have to thank yet another awesome Patreon supporter. We have Mike G. Really, really appreciate the support. If you can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. In some countries, you can't do it. Financial situation may not allow it. If you can't support the Patreon, though, you can support the show by getting the word out about the show, leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I got flyers you can print up at deadrabbit.com, put around your town, coffee shops, stuff like that. Just help getting the word out really, really helps the show a lot. Okay, so for our first story, Mike G, fire up that carpenter copter. We are headed out to Mataguri, Nigeria. We are flying out to Africa. The year is 2004. The date is September 27th. And our helicopter appears over this city. (laughs) But we're in stealth mode because we do not want to be anywhere near this story. On September 27th, there's this dude named Jibril Na'ala. He's a council official, and he actually is not a local. So he's in this other city, and they're like, hey, Jibril, what's up? And he's like, I don't know, I'm just doing council stuff. And they're like, well, we need you to do more council stuff. Would you be willing... Actually, no, it's his job. They're not going to ask him. You are going to Mataguri for a two-day conference. And he's like, oh, I'm sh- I've heard good things about the Big M, the village that never sleeps. They're like, yeah, it's a pretty dope place. You need to go down there and like hang out and like learn some stuff and then come back and teach us because that's how that's how seminars work. Now we don't know if Jabril had a weird feeling about this. Maybe as he was going home that day, he's like, hmm, this trip may not be as fortuitous as, as I imagined when I signed up to be a council official. I imagined a life of luxury, but instead I have the sneaking suspicion I'm going to be accused of something. But he shrugs it off. And just drives home. Goes to bed. Next day. I don't know the chain of events. The point is, is that that was all. The point is, is that this dude named Jabril. I'm like giving him a whole backstory. He's like, he had two brothers. Oh, I don't know. I don't know any of that. If any of that's true. His mental, his, what he was thinking. I'm not Professor X. But what I do know is this. On September 27, 2004, he does end up in Maidaguri. And he's hanging out with three of his work buddies. And they're like, oh, it's a pretty dope place, man. I really love learning stuff about council work. But, you know, the other thing I love is eating. The other thing I love is sustaining my biological force so I can live another day and learn more about council operations. So they're looking around for a place to eat. And there's a group of dudes just kind of hanging on the street corner. Now, I think this is pretty much everyone's worst fear. 
This is the reason why people don't like interacting with strangers. I interact with strangers all the time. But I also always have in the back of my head, this guy's going to stab me. This guy's going this guy's going to stab me in the back of the head. Like I interact with strangers all the time, but I never let my guard down. So, this should be proof of why you either shouldn't act with strangers at all or be very leery of of them <laughs> at the very least or be prepared. Uh Jabril and his buddies, his work buddies walk up to these guys that go, hey, do you know where a good restaurant is? And as they're talking, looking for a restaurant, one of the strangers, one of the people that Jabril is talking to, all of a sudden goes, huh? What? Huh? What? Hey, hey, dude, nudges his buddy. Hey, dude, I think I think he stole it. I, th- I think this guy, see this guy right here? I think he stole it. Buddy's like, what? What are you talking about? This guy right here? These people from out of town? Yeah, yeah, look. Look. My penis is gone. His friend's like, what? I don't want to look. I don't want to look because I think it might be there and I don't want to look. No, 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 no. Look at these guys who just walked up and then I felt something weird. I looked down. My penis, my penis is gone. And at this point, the out-of-towners, Jabril and his buddies, notice that a guy is frantically grabbing at his crotch and then pointing at them, which is a bad sign to begin with, right? But then begin saying, you stole my penis. You stole my penis. Commotion, obviously. That's something you're going to stop. If you're, like, reading the newspaper at a coffee shop and you're used to people screaming out random stuff, cars honking, sirens going by, someone starts yelling out, you sold my penis, you're putting down the newspaper. Now, the next thing, that what would you do if someone stole your penis, right? Assuming, Assuming you have one to begin with. If you don't have one, then you don't know what you're missing. But if you do have one... What would you do? Like, you really only have one option at that point. <laughs> First off, the, you'd have to believe that leprechauns exist, that magic is possible, that penises can simply disappear. Secondly, you almost have to attack the guy, right? Because you can't let him go. You can't give him the benefit of the doubt, right? Because what if he does have your penis? You have to, but you don't have to kill him. And that's where this story goes. So I, to preface this, the dudes begin stomping these out-of-towners, and then his buddies bounce, but Jabril can't get away, and they uh, beat him to death. So, you know, that's not funny, right? That's that's horrible. That's tragic. And eight people have been arrested for this crime. Now, this is a story, again, from 2004. I found it in my new news folder, which is a folder of old articles from an old project I was working on. No follow-up, which I'm not shocked. I don't think that this would be on court TV. I don't think Nancy Grace would be having these guys on every day. It wouldn't be a highly documented case. Apparently, penis theft is an issue over there. Not in the fact that it actually happens, but that people think it happens. But the story opens a whole box of worms. One, it's not funny that he got... It would have been funny if everyone got beat up and everyone ran away. But the fact that Jabril died, that makes it less funny... I don't think I need to explain humor to you, but just so we're clear, I don't, I wish it had a happier ending. Secondly, here's my question. When, when does he notice his penis is gone? Like, he, he says that he noticed it when they were standing in the group, but I gotta be honest. If I was just standing there and my penis disappeared, I, I don't think I would notice it right away. I don't think it's, it's, I mean, like, yeah, it's cool to like have, but it's not some, it's not like, think about it. When you lose your keys, you don't immediately realize your keys are missing, right? And I use my keys more than I use my penis. So the point is, is that, and my keys make noise. So I wouldn't even notice if my keys were missing. I have a theory. 
his penis really was missing, but he woke up that morning, his penis was missing, and then he realized that he was, like, banging some witch doctor's daughter or something like that, and then the whole day he's like, "Uh uh-oh, I can't let my wife know that I'm banging that witch doctor's daughter. Well, you know what, that's very sexist of me, maybe the witch doctor is a female, maybe it's a witch nurse. So anyways, he's like, oh, I'm banging this witch nurse, and I can't, like, let my wife know, so I'm just gonna have to walk around with no penis for a while, hoping... Someone from out of town will show up. And the whole time, like, he's at a bar. He sees someone coming. He's like, he's so... Oh, wait, no, I know that guy. And then he sees someone. Oh, that guy. Oh, no, no. Hey, what's up, Charlie? Yeah, no. No, 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 it's cool. I wasn't pointing at my crotch and then you. And then finally, some guys walked up and said, hey, do you know where a restaurant is? And then he's like, oh, the perfect patsy. Perfect patsy from a missing penis. The biggest question, though, really is, where is his penis now? Like, I okay, that's kind of, I don't want to know where it's at, like, right now as of the recording of this podcast, but the question is, is, like, does he have it back? Like, did he get arrested and they take him downtown and the cops, like, do a strip search and they're like, sir, it's right there. Or did they do a strip search and go, oh my god, it's gone. Like, where's it at now? Because it would really suck if someone stole your penis or any sexual organ, really. Maybe you're like, oh, my ovaries. That, again, would be really, really hard to detect. I'm assuming, I I don't think you feel them inside of you, but you wouldn't notice that right away. It wouldn't be until you needed them that you're like, that's weird, I've gone eight years without a a period. Should check out and see what's going on. If they, you see some dude walking around with bolos around his neck, those are my ovaries? No, no, these, I I bought these at uh, Bed Bath & Beyond. (laughs) They sell bolos there, flesh-colored bolos. Yeah, yeah, totally, it's in the back. So, the point is, where was (laughs) he Where was I going with this? Um, if you're being... Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. So if, if your genitals are missing, you would beat people up. Like, that... But then if you... Like, you think you would just, like, double check or triple check before you started punching people. And then even then, like, would they show back up? I don't know. But apparently penis theft is a big thing over there. People just... Dudes wake up with no... With no genitals. Which would be terrifying. Which would be absolutely terrifying. So... I'm no real other way to end that story. I could do a typical Dead Rabbit Radio ending where I'm like, so the next time you're walking down the street and you're in a town that you've never been to before, be careful of that group of people standing on the street corner because they may not only know the perfect way to a nearby restaurant, but you may also have their dick in your pants. Gmail.com. I could do that, but that's, 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 that actually was probably more distracting than just ending it. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story. So, for our next story, Mike G, fire up that carpenter copter. We are headed out to a town. I don't have the specific name of the town. And, and here's the thing. Normally, if I don't have a lot of specific details, like who, what, when, where, why, how. If I don't have a... At least the majority of those, I'm a little suspicious. But there's a reason why we don't have this town. Because this is where this dude currently lives. He doesn't want a bunch of people chilling at his house. Now, we're flying out to this town. Scienceville, USA, we'll call it. And as we're flying out, I notice my uh, flight suit that I'm magically wearing now to make this joke work is a little tighter. I'm like, what? I look down and... Something's missing, huh? And then Mike G has a bag. <laughs> Mike G has a bag. He's like, <laughs> another one for my collection. It was I all along who would have thought the Patreon supporter also stole men's genitals. <laughs> Flies off. I get mine back, by the way. 
I don't know about you. I have the ability. I'm like, hey, give it back. He's like, here you go. But if you're listening to this, yours is probably in a bag as well. We are landing in Scienceville, USA. And then we're going to meet a man named Deep Prasad. Now, he's a quantum computing scientist. He's a CEO of, like, some nerd stuff. Now, this is an interesting story because one of the... I've used this comment a lot as a joke. They should have sent a poet. And I've heard of that comment used not jokingly, but... When you talk about, like, space, like, people have said, you know, when you send an astronaut up, we should have sent a poet. Like, someone who has a command of the English language, or just language in general. When you send a poet up, they're able to just, they have a different visual language for things. So, this is kind of similar to that. But this is kind of the inverse. We have a lot of stories of alien abductions, where people like me get abducted they happen in the middle of nowhere not under the best circumstances for the observer either there's like clouds or mist or it's far away or it's super close and bright a lot of people who get abducted by ufos they they seem to lack the best way to describe these events and i think when you're talking about something that's so out of this world if you have observational skills that are above a normal human's it definitely helps, and th- and I've always felt that way. I've always felt that way. When you have farm girls getting kidnapped, or you know people driving home late at night getting abducted and stuff like that, their main thing is I'm a carpet salesman. I sell carpet by the pound, and then I I meet these aliens. I don't have the language to really discuss this. So this guy does, and this came on a Twitter thread. So Deep Prasad really had nothing to gain from this story. I mean, attention, obviously. People like attention, but he's a successful businessman. He's a successful scientist. And one day he posts on Twitter. The Twitter link is in the show notes. And I think it's interesting to read for yourself. We're going to go over it here, obviously, but just to see the level of observation he has. So it's 9.40 in the morning, and Deep is wide awake. He's been awake for over an hour. So this wasn't, I was just falling asleep or he's in the middle of the night. He's been awake. He's working on his laptop laying in bed. And he has all these detailed sketches of how, where he was laying. And it's really, really interesting Twitter thread. But he's laying in bed, wide awake though. He's working on his computer. And then just instantly, they didn't beam in. They're just instantly there. There's three gray aliens standing around his bed. And his brain is flooded with thousands of sentences, as he puts it. And he sees Japanese, and he, he said it was a, you could see, he could see Japanese lettering and Egyptian hieroglyphics, and it's just kind of projected in the room, floating around, and he can't move. He's t- completely petrified, obviously. He's completely petrified, but at the same time, he's super curious about what's going on. None of theme that he sees makes sense as far as the language goes, but he sees three letters, three very familiar letters in English pop up a couple times, DNA. And everything else is a mixed uh, mixture of what seems to be Japanese, what is it, cuneiform? Japanese lettering, and then you have Egyptian hieroglyphics, or something similar to that. And this is interesting because we've talked about this before, and I made the comment that aliens don't have this. And he said that he heard, quote, weird rock. Not English, but English-sounding music played at one point briefly, unquote. And I made a comment, alien, you never hear about music involving aliens. We have this one. Found a story recently where a UFO ship was descending, and it sounded like electronica music was playing through it. But really, that's it. 
and that is the only time I've ever really come across music, but he's laying here. And and I know some of you are thinking, I have my own theory about this, and I know what some of you are thinking. We'll get to that in the end. Don't start commenting on YouTube just yet, but he's laying in bed, he's frozen, he hears rock music that's not English, but sounds English. And then, this is where things get really weird. So you got three gray aliens walking around, you got all this projection stuff, and you're like, that's not even the weird stuff. No, we're not even close to the weird stuff. Sunny bedroom, 9.40 in the morning. So now he's not frozen. He can move his head, and he can lift his head up, and he is somewhere else. He doesn't go into description of what this place is, but he says, when my head's up, I'm somewhere else. When I put my head back down on the pillow, I'm back in my bedroom. Lift my head up. Totally different location. Put my head down. Sunny bedroom. Morning. And the aliens the whole time are just kind of walking around him. He decides at this point he's going to stop fighting this feeling. He's going to stop fighting it. And I'm just going to observe. I'm going to focus on what's going on. I'm going to take mental notes of how this is going on. He said the aliens, they did look like greys. It looked like a typical alien you'd see in X-Files or something like that. But their skin felt like hard plastic. So they didn't have a organic feel to them, which is common. A lot of, there's a lot of people who think that gray aliens are actually robots. Some people even, I was talking to Sabine about this, some people believe that gray aliens, are, that's actually a spacesuit. I've heard that conspiracy as well. That it's a spacesuit that they wear. And underneath it, they're reptilians. If someone saw human astronauts dancing around on the moon, you would think, oh, that there must be some sort of robot or some sort of inorganic thing. And it's not until the visor came up that you saw our beautiful human faces. But that's a conspiracy theory as well. that They're actually reptiles in disguise or that's some sort of suit. And the giant eyeballs are basically, I've also heard you can remove those big giant black eyeballs are coverings. They're basically like UV light covering. We could really go into that and I'll see if I can dig up some more sources on that. But when he touches these things, they feel like they're hard plastic. He said, and I thought this was interesting because we've covered this in other stories, these creatures, these aliens had an emblem, a holographic emblem showing the like a rank, showing a division type thing. These ones, it was on their arm and it was a hologram that was rotating around their arm, which, you know, like his military will have the badge on their arm, which sounds cool to have a holographic rotating symbol. The only problem is it's so impractical because what if you walk up to someone and you want to know what rank they are, but you're like, oh, great, I got to wait five seconds as it slowly rotates around your arm. So that makes us think, you know, again, that level of observation, he has all these sketches and stuff. The hard plastic to the, the touch. They're wearing these tight white suits. Makes you think, well, okay, typical gray aliens might lead towards the inorganic or might lead to the suit. He said, though, looking at them, he got the feeling, one, they, quote, exuded immense scientific and emotional intelligence. So just being in their presence, he could tell how great these things were. Which is interesting because there are people who believe that angel visitations in the past were alien sightings. And if this observation is true, an alien just appeared in your room and you were some old dude in like 400 BC and you were just, oh, you you didn't even know what the word scientific meant, but you were being visited by this being. And you're just like, I know this thing knows more than all of humanity put together. 
kind of an interesting take on that. He says that, kind of going along that, he goes, they felt etheric. They felt more etheric than a biological entity. Which, again, is a very, very fascinating read on the thing. And I've mentioned this in past episodes, too. If you saw a wolf walking through the woods, your brain goes, that's a biological animal. It evolved on this planet. If you saw an animal you'd never seen before, like if you had never read one of those kids' books and then one day a koala walked in your bedroom, you'd be like, whoa, that is some weird-looking animal, but it's from Earth. It evolved on this planet. He, you, you would recognize it as a biological entity. He's saying that's not what these seemed like. They seemed more spiritual than a, a biological construct or even an inorganic construct. Then we get into some weird stuff. I'm going to brush over some of this stuff because it's almost just a list of things he sees. As all this stuff's going on, he sees kind of floating. He sees kind of floating in the background a 3D, what he describes as a 3D wizard hat. And he says it looks like it's a reconstruction from an old video game he played as a kid. So that's kind of floating around in the back. You're like, what? I know, I know. This is where, again, it just keeps getting weirder. That's kind of floating around in the background. He, One of the aliens has a monitor on his chest, and it begins producing these beautiful golden hieroglyphic images, these holograms on this alien's chest. And at this point, he goes, quote, this is an effing joke. What is wrong with me? What are these things? He's thinking that. And then alien jumps on top of him, begins to walk, starts walking on him, and gets to his head, and then, bam. He says, a bright light hit my head. And here we're going to have this quote because we got a lot of these great quotes. Quote, I will try my best to describe it. It felt like the universe was sentient and aware of my existence. The feeling was of warmth and nostalgia. It was like a... Rem- and, and to be fair, he put a little question mark next to a, a nostalgia. He's like, that's the best word he could use to figure it out. The feeling was of warmth and nostalgia. It was like a reminder that space is teeming with life, and that we're all related to each other by virtue of existing. I used the word oneness, which meant nothing to me before. He's knocked out. And the next thing, he comes back to reality. Aliens are gone. Not one second has passed in the real world. He said for a long time, for a couple weeks after that, he was flooded with just feelings of euphoria. He felt greater than he'd ever... True bliss. And it slowly wore off. Slowly wore off. But he had some permanent changes to his personality. He used to be atheist, and now he's, like, he's not necessarily religious, but he considers himself spiritual. He began dreaming of UFOs, which he goes, I never dreamt about UAPs, is what he called them, an unidentified aerial phenomenon. He goes, I never dreamt about them before, but now I'm having dreams about them all the time. He goes, then I started seeing them when I was walking around. Sometimes I would be out with my friends, and we would all see them together. But it's interesting because he has like this, this beautiful, life-changing experience, according to him. And he feels this utter oneness with the universe, which is a beautiful thought, right? That everything is connected, and harm against one is harm against all. And knowing that we are part of the universe, knowing that we do have a place in the universe, doesn't matter if you're a shoeshine guy or a penis thief, 
or CEO of a quantum computer company. Everyone's equal because everyone is alive, everyone or spent a moment alive or will be alive. The universe is just one giant organism. This is a very beautiful thought. He had it's interesting because again, I can totally relate to this. I can totally relate to this. I've had experiences that were life-changing and there's this element where you go, no, 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 I don't want this. Let me read you this quote. I started feeling unnerved because I felt I had lost my free will to an extent. I didn't like that this newfound fearfulness, unconditional love and so on, were not coming from me. I didn't think I had earned it. So in this moment, so so after this event when he has all this bliss, the rational part of his head is going, who are you to feel these emotions? Who are you to have this connection with the universe? And he fights it, and he fights it, and he fights it, and eventually he does return to normal, which is where he's at now. But I've had experiences like that where I go, whoa, that really was amazing. Changed my view on things, but it's kind of scary. Can I go back? Can I go back to being a little more mundane? And you get, and the universe gives you what you ask of it. The universe gives you what you ask of it, so... He's definitely, I think it was a great experience for him. It was I'm very, very brave to share the story for us. He uses his, the fact that he doesn't list his home address, we don't know what city it took place in. I'm fine with that. He goes on the record, he tells the story. That's really all we can ask. I think it's a great story with a high level of observation. It's just an amazing story. And it's from the point of view of someone who is surely observant. However, let's be a little skeptical because that's kind of what this show does. I do have to say, I believe that this story happened, however, on a skeptical bent, it also seems similar to a, a possible stroke, right? The not being able to move and the random images popping in the head and then like the, there was just some things like the perception changing depending on where the body, it, you could say it was a stroke. I believe that it's, uh, I believe it's more likely that it's real. Because it hits on enough tropes. It hits on enough stuff that we supposedly know about alien encounters. But there's also new information. And also they don't talk about the environment. Which was a nice change of pace. But it rings true. It rings true. I don't think it was just a stroke. Or a stroke at all. But I just wanted to throw that out there. Because I think some of you guys may have done it. I think the creepiest thing about it though. Is we always got a <laughs> dead rabbit radio on a creepy note. I love this story. And I'm glad that he had that. I'm glad that he shared it with us. But... I do think it's creepy about him raising his head and he's in a different location. I think that's kind of spooky because it makes you think that the veil between the two worlds or the multiple worlds is that thin. Maybe the aliens being here on Earth weakened it. But it's weird to think that you could turn your head and you could look and see another reality. Because that's obviously not what goes on here. I mean, unless you're turning your head and taking a fat bong hit while you're doing it. For the most part, we have a agreed-upon reality, and we're here. I think it's creepy that when he lifts his head, he's somewhere else. And the fact, the level of detail he has in this story, his somewhere else is so vague, kind of makes me think that's a part of the story he doesn't want to revisit. It's one thing to have aliens walking around in your bedroom. It's one thing to be on an alien spaceship that's within our reality. But being transported to an alien dimension would have to be terrifying. There may be a sense of oneness in our universe. But in another dimension, 
Who's to say it's just not you? Alone and lost. And the only thing that we have to go on is some scientist went missing in his bedroom one day. They found his laptop on. And an odd possible clue. They find a wizard hat sitting on a dresser. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.